Good morning, St. Michael's. Please stand. Dear Jesus, we come before you today grateful and expectant. Come fill this place with your presence as we enter your gates with praise.
Almighty God, you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Jesus said the first commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Please kneel. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Merciful Lord, grant you absolution, remission of all your sins true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace, consolation of his Holy Spirit. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Glory be to God on high, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. We praise thee, we bless thee, we worship thee, we glorify thee, we give thanks to thee for thy great glory. O Lord God, heavenly King, God, the Father Almighty, O Lord, the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, O Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, that takest away the sins of the world, have mercy upon us. Thou that takest away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. Thou that sitteth at the right hand of God the Father, have mercy upon us, for Thou only art holy. Thou only art the Lord. Thou only, O Christ, with the Holy Ghost, art most high in the glory of God the Father. Amen.
Grant us, Lord, not to be anxious about earthly things, but to love things heavenly. And even now, while we're placed among things that are passing away, to hold fast that those shall endure. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. This morning's first reading comes from Jonah, chapter 3, beginning in verse 10. Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish. For I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? So when Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, there he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But as the morning dawned, the next day, God prepared a worm and so it damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, it is better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, it is right for me to be angry even to death. But the Lord said, You have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in the night and perished in the night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and much livestock? The word of the Lord. This morning's psalm is Psalm 145, verses 1 through 7. We'll read responsibly by the asterisk. I will extol you, my God, O King. I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. One generation shall praise your works to another. And shall declare your mighty acts. 
I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Our second reading this morning is taken from Philippians chapter 1, verse 15, commencing. Some indeed preach Christ, even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew. Glory be to thee, O Lord. St. Matthew chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his, for his vineyard. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And, when he, and he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. Again he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle, and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right you will receive. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to the, to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, And they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us, who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? 
Where is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first and the first last. For many are called, but few are chosen. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise be to thee, Lord Christ. You may be seated. Well, good morning. As you guys know, we've been talking about discernment uh, for the past couple Sundays. We call it the discernment toolbox. Uh, when we talk about this thing, we've, we've gone over some, some rules and some tools, and I'll go over those. But I want you to know, this, the reason that this was the first series that we talked about doing, when we talked about doing some series at St. Michael's, was because the leadership and specifically dad, well, dad, father, Powell, and I had been praying about what does God want to say to his church. And there was nothing that came out more urgently than the need to be able to tell right from wrong, truth from falsehood. And you know what's funny is I listen to a lot of different churches around the country, whether they're CEC or some other people that I really like to listen to. And every single person right now is preaching almost to a man on the exact same subject, which is how do you know truth in an age of fake news and social media and the coronavirus? How do you know truth? And I think there's something important that's being highlighted for us, and I don't want us to miss it as we get into this series, right? We've been talking about it for a couple weeks, and maybe you showed up today and you're like, oh, they're preaching the same thing again. And it's like, yeah, absolutely, because we need this. This is the foundation from which we can understand all the other stuff that we're going to be talking about. Because like Bishop was talking about, this isn't the intro level, welcome to Christianity, Jesus died for your sins. That's all crucial, but we're moving past that. We feel like God is taking us as a church past that. We feel like God has looked out at you guys and he has said, these people sitting in these pews, I want to take them further and deeper. I want to take them to accomplish the things of God. That he's called our church, St. Michael's, the people in this pew, in these pews, to be a prophetic church, a warring church, a church that goes out and conquers for the kingdom. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that we're signing anybody up for gun lessons, right? We're not talking about physical warfare. We're talking about overcoming the world with truth and beauty and goodness and love and the fruit of the Spirit that God has equipped us with. Because the people out there need it. If you just turn on the news for five minutes, you'll know people need Jesus. They need the promise of hope. They need the promise of knowing the truth. And so I want to just frame it like that as we talk about this. Keep that in mind. The reason we're talking about this is because it matters for us, for you and I, for my children, for your children, for your brothers and sisters. It matters. So let's just go over the tools that we've mentioned before, and then I'm going to give you three tools that are completely different. But we'll start with these tools that have started here. We've got, number one, live within the boundaries of God's will. Number two, trust in the promises of God. Number three, know that God wants you to know the truth and to prosper. Number four, do not conform to this world. Number five, 
Train yourself to recognize the tricks of your adversary. And number six, one of my favorites, have good friends. So I'm not going to explain all those, but just tuck those away. We talked about those. If you want to go back and listen to the recordings, it's worth it sometimes to refresh your memory. But let's move on to a couple more comments about truth. The first thing I want to say, and this is going to be really controversial in our politically correct culture. I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but they don't like calling the master bedroom the master bedroom anymore. Because do you know what? Back in the day when they were slaves, they used to call the guy who owned the slaves a master. How crazy are you to have a master bedroom? You're just, you're going to traumatize people because you're going to be reminding them of these evil things that happened so long ago. But do you know what I want to say? I just mentioned that as a funny, right? Because master bedroom was a term that wasn't even invented until the 1920s, but that's a whole other deal, right? But the reason, they don't even like, you know, you get your master's degree. They're talking about getting rid of that because they don't like the name master. But I want to say something a little controversial. Truth must be your master. Truth must be your master. That's something that you need to know. That if you're going one direction and truth comes in and says that's wrong, that's a lie, then you don't have a choice to ignore it. You don't have a choice. It's like Paul said. He called himself a slave to Christ. Because truth, which we know is found in the person of Jesus, is your Lord. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's going from Christianity 101 to what Bishop Kessler called it. It's SEAL team training. It's like the next level is, yeah, you actually are called to follow Jesus in the way that he leads, even though it's not going to be easy and it's not going to be comfortable. But you know what? It's going to be good and it'll save your life. Hosea 4.6 says it like this. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. I sense that in our culture today. You see people left and right who are running around trying to figure out what the truth is. And I will tell you, I have some friends and their life is in shambles because they hooked their wagon to something that was not true. They are following a lifestyle that is based on a lie, that living in this world is about satisfying your pleasures, satisfying your desires. They say things like, I'm never going to have kids. Who would have kids? Because it's such a burden and a chain to get married and have children and have a family. For those of you who have kids, you know that that's a lie. Absolutely. There are times where Rowan, my wonderful son, the beautiful, perfect child, can get on my nerves. He can cause my life to be very, very difficult. Carolyn's laughing over here because she gets to watch him one day a week and she knows he can be very difficult. Right now, the big war is whether he's going to be able to take a nap or not, right? He is very convinced that he doesn't have to take a nap. I know otherwise. But the point is, the lie is that children are such a burden that it's not even worth doing it. What we know is when you take on the burden of children, the rep, the, and you're repaid in the joy and fulfillment of parenthood. And that if you believe in Jesus, he will give you what you need to survive your toddlers. He will give you what you need to lead and guide and to grow into the peace and joy that comes with having a family. 
Think about this. I want to use this image today as we talk. Think about back in the day when they used to take these big boats with big sails all the way from England to North America, right? That's how a lot of our ancestors got here. That's how America started, was these big boats would sail the Atlantic Sea for months on end, losing like 20 to 40% of the people on the boat would die in the journey because of scurvy and all the other trials that they had to face. Think about these boats that are sailing that way. And do you know what? If they didn't know the truth of their heading, the direction that they're supposed to go, even if it's off by just a little bit, it could be the difference from arriving in Plymouth in New England and arriving in Brazil. And you know what that means? That means that they don't make it. There's a point to the idea that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We're all on this journey of life, and we've got years and years. And if you start buying into the lies early, then that's the difference between ending up like Bishop Kessler and Karen with some grace and providence and wonderful children, or some of my friends that I've seen who have ended up in addiction and loss and pain. And I just use those as examples, but you know what I'm saying is it matters that you know the truth. So let's talk about our three tools today, keeping that in mind. The tools that I chose are know the map, calibrate your compass, and clean your telescope. So we're sticking with the nautical theme today. I hope that's all right. Know the map, calibrate your compass, and clean your telescope. Now that needs a little bit of explanation, I'm aware, unlike our other tools that are just kind of plainly stated. Um, but I like the imagery here. And let me talk about know the map. So this one, I just have an example, really, for you to think about, because we hit on it a lot here. We talk about reading your Bible. We talk about these things. And I'm just going to give away the secret, right? The map is the teachings of the church found in the Bible, the liturgy, in Bible studies, in the wisdom that's shared from the pulpit. There's, there's a tradition that we're carrying on, a map that says this is how you live your life. This is the territory. There's this tribe, and I was listening to this podcast about it, that lost their ceremonial worshiping grounds, the place where they used to live and hunt and worship their God due to a catastrophic flood. So the whole thing's underwater, and they had to move their territory. And even to this day, they're highly unreached by technology. They live the way that they used to live back in hundreds of years ago. They're in a remote region, and this cultural anthropologist went up there, and he was talking to them about this place that they used to live. And they have all these oral traditions and teachings about the place where they used to hunt, where they used to live and worship. And it's covered with water. It's a big lake now. And the cultural anthropologist said, hey, I'm going to go under there and I'm going to scan it and we'll see what's go like what it really looks like. Because they have a clear map in their head, not even written down, of what it looks like. And he compared the scans that he took of underneath this lake that had been covered for hundreds of years to the knowledge that the tribe had about what their traditional land looked like. They knew where the sinking sands were, where the hunting grounds were, where the temple was. And do you know what? The scans and the things that those that tribe told them were exactly alike. To the point where tribesmen could stand on the edge of the lake and they could point and say, over there is where we had the plains, where we used to get great deer or whatever. They had all this knowledge about the landscape that they used to live in. And it was handed down through the teachings of their elders, through the religious teaching of their elders. That's what we get with the Bible. We get a map 
of the territory that we are navigating in this world. Because it's not easy. If you just look at the world and you try and decide based on what's going on inside of you, how you feel or what you think, without any help from anybody else, you're going to be lost. And so that's why the Bible was put together. And that's why we reverence it. Because it gives us a map. And there are certain things that are off limits. The Bible tells you, you don't get to just go killing anybody because you're mad at them. That's off limits. That's like the sinking sands, right? If you do this, you're going to die. And the Bible points us to where the hunting grounds are, where the wells are, where the refreshing food and water are. It says, do not forsake the gathering of the fellowship. That's what we do today. The Bible tells us, don't stop going to church. You'll find water and bread and life there. So know the map. And I just want to bring up this one more scripture as I talk about this, because it's not about being able to memorize Bible verses. In Deuteronomy 11:18, it says, You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets before your eyes. So what's the point of that very familiar scripture? The point is that those tribesmen, if the water were to suddenly disappear from that land, they could find the wells. They could avoid the quicksand. Not because they could repeat the oral tradition, but because it was deep down in them. So when you engage things, you want the word so deep in you that you know how to respond, even if you can't come up with a Bible verse. Now, my mom has the best memory of Bible verses for correcting children out of anybody I know. If there's something that I had a problem with as a child, my mom could whip out a Bible verse and she could cut that lie right out of my life. Now, there were other ways, you know, punishments and things to reinforce it, But that's not the only way that we know the map. Sometimes you just get formed by hearing the stories so that you just have a sense. Something's wrong about this or something's right about this. Eric is a great example of that. When he's doing business, sometimes he just goes, you know what? I call him. I have a problem. He goes, you know what? I just have a sense about this. And he can just say in the moment, you know what? Just come back. Come. Don't go to that manufacturer. We're going to have to figure this out. Just come back to the shop and we'll figure it out. And true enough, almost always there's something fishy going on. Because he's been formed by the scripture. Because he stewarded his connection with the Holy Spirit. He knows the map. And when something doesn't add up, he knows to stop and figure it out. So let's move on to calibrate your compass. So let's take it a little bit more internal here. And I had a clip. We had some issues with our um, technology this morning, so I'm not going to play it for you. But you all remember the great theological treatise that was given to us by Jim Carrey and Morgan Freeman and Bruce Almighty, right? You all know so much about God because Bruce Almighty taught you. There's this amazing scene at the beginning of Bruce Almighty when he's finally lost it, right? Everything in his life is going poorly. But he's been trained, he's been raised as a Catholic, so he knows God exists. He's got a rosary in his car, and he's driving down the road, and it's raining. And he's saying, God, give me a sign. And, of course, you see this sign on the side of the road that says, caution ahead. And he goes, God, I just need a sign. And then this truck pulls in front of him, almost cut, you know, cuts him off, and it's got all these road signs on it. Stop, go back, turn around, dead end ahead. And he goes, oh, what the heck is this? And he speeds around the truck, and then he crashes into a light post. And it's like God was trying to talk to him. That's the impression, right? Caution, go back, stop. You're going to hurt yourself. And he just, he was so angry. And so his compass was so wrong that he just drove around the map. If your compass is wrong, the map's not going to be any help to you. You might know the scriptures, but if you're not properly formed in who you are, you're going to get it all wrong. 
You're going to be too angry to listen. 1 Corinthians 1.18 puts it like this. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? What that's saying is, all those people on your TV sets and all those people on your radio and all those people in the movies who are telling you how you should live your life, unless they have Jesus, they're utter foolishness. It's not enough. Why do you think that over and over again, really intelligent people who have worked their life to try and figure out the problems of the world come to a conclusion that isn't in the Bible, that isn't biblical, that isn't true, that doesn't work? Because we need Jesus to calibrate our compass. There are heart postures that can't recognize the truth. You know what I want to tell you today? There's, a, there's actually people where if Jesus were to walk the earth, let me, let me phrase it a little even more extremely. There are people who know the Bible better than you or me or anyone in this room, where if Jesus walked the earth, they would hate him and seek to kill him. Did you know that that's a possibility? We know it because it happened. The Pharisees, who knew the Bible better than anybody, wanted to kill Jesus. Jesus gets so upset, he says, you look at the Scriptures and you don't know who I am? The Scriptures point to me. They're talking about me. So that's a warning to us. You could be the best Bible scholar in the world, but if you don't have Jesus changing your heart, you're going to miss it. The New Living Translation says in Proverbs 4.23, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. You need to guard your heart. And further than that, you need your heart to be transformed. I know we talked about Romans 12.1 and 2. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed in the renewing of your mind. This is the journey we're on. We aren't meant to stay the way we are. We're meant to be transformed into people who understand who God is and where to go. That's what it means to calibrate your compass. Now, how are we transformed? I'm just going to throw three things out there for you to think about. I'm not going to go deep into them, but three things to think about about how we're transformed. Number one, by praise. There is nothing that will change your heart more than singing the truth of God in the face of difficulty. That's why we open our services with shouts of praise. That's why we open our services with these songs. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Because whatever you face out there in the world, we want to change our attitudes when we walk through the building by declaring the truth of God. And there's something about music that can reach those places in your heart that are broken, that are wounded. And you can declare God's healing over you. It says that God sings over the brokenness in your heart. There's a spiritual image there. We can agree with God or we can agree with the enemy. We can agree with the lie. We have an option. And one of the best ways to disarm the lie in your life when you're feeling hopeless and depressed, like nothing's going to go your way, is to declare that God is good to sing, this is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. We need to sing our praise. 
to God. Because it's going to change your heart. Whether you sound good or not, you need to sing the songs of praise that we've been given. It's not about what you sound like. It's about changing your heart and allowing God to do that work in you. Prayer. Prayer is really great, right? If all your prayer, I'm going, to make a, I'm going to make an argument here. If all your prayer all week is, Jesus, can I have this? And Jesus, can I have that? Then you don't get what prayer is about. You are misinformed. God is not your cosmic vending machine. You put in this coin of prayer and he spits out what you ask for. That is not what he's about. I heard a great example. This guy who had a teenage son was like, every day this week, my son asked me for $12. And I know he's going to spend it on Fortnite. And every day I said no. Do you know what my son never asked me this week? Dad, what do you want me to do? Could you imagine the change if the son had asked the father, what do you want me to do? Here's your $12 too. That's kind of a joke, but it's like, ask God what he wants you to do. If he's really your Lord, if he's really your Savior, if he really holds the world in his hands, he might have a good idea of how to lead you into righteousness, peace, and joy. Be shaped by your prayer. That's part of the reason why we have these great written prayers that we have in the daily office and in the liturgy. Because we need help. And you know what you can do? You can also pray the Psalms. Anytime you come to a psalm in the Scripture, it's not meant to be a teaching. It's meant to be a prayer. That's why some of them are really emotional and vivid because they're meant to pray the heart of God. And lastly, I'll mention practice. We need to practice discerning the truth of God. And the best example I can think of is that Haley and I have practiced arguing quite a bit. We have gotten our 10,000 hours in, I'm sure. We have put the work in practicing arguing, and we've gotten fairly good at it. And there's one thing that we've learned out of that that I I heard from somebody else, but it's really helped us. And so I'm just going to share it with you. You can think about it. It's called snap. And it's about those times when you're starting to feel overwhelmed or challenged, and you're trying to discern what truth is. And usually you're already doing something. You're reacting. But snap says this. It says stop. And my example for that is be still and know that I am God. Notice I'm having feelings. That's all noticing is is I'm having feelings. Notice that they're there. Ask, what am I believing? Is it true? Am I believing that Haley really doesn't like me? Is that true? Sometimes, probably yes. But the point is, why am I reacting this way? Why am I having this emotion? Am I believing a lie? And then pivot. That's the most important one. Choose to act based on what you decided, whether the belief was true or false. If the belief is false, then you need to act differently. That's about how truth is your master. Once you've asked, is what am I believing true? Then you need to know to pivot. I'm going to conclude with this. Clean your telescope. I don't have a lot here. But I just want you to have some images to walk away with as we think about this. There's a picture that's going to come up of the stars. Now, that is a little bit more vivid than we tend to see in San Clemente, California. Or in L.A. or in San Diego. Because... There's a lot of light, artificial, counterfeit light, that drowns out the stars. Now, if you know about boating, they tended in the olden days to get their heading, to get their direction by looking at the stars. But you know, it would be impossible to get your heading from the stars if it was drowned out by all this artificial light. 
Now that's just an example of what I feel like our world is like today. We've got social media and the media who are pouring in, and movies and televisions. Look at me, look at me, pay attention to this. And when we stop and we look for truth and we look to get our bearing, we can't even see the stars because they're drowned out by the artificial light and the counterfeits that are out there vying for your attention. There's a documentary on Netflix called The Social Dilemma that just came out. The whole point of the documentary is that the social media apps were designed to addict you to them, to change your perceptions so that you relied on them, that you were being manipulated through those. And my point is, we cannot stay neutral in this fight. That if you just choose to go along with the world and do it the easy way and not pay attention to the tools that we're trying to help with or the things that God wants to lead you into, then you're going to be ill-equipped. And there's big, very, very rich people who are doing their best to teach you their ways of living. It's not a neutral battle. We're in a river that's flowing one direction, and God's called us to go the other. If you've ever swum in a river, it's really hard to swim upstream. That's why we're trying to give you some tools so that you are able to get away from that. I mean, for goodness sake, we live in a culture that has convinced millions and millions of people that abortion is okay. There's a war going on. And I don't want to over-dramatize it, because maybe when you go to Albertsons and you have a fine day, you're like, man, it's all good. Like, the food's on the shelf. I can go home and I can watch my Netflix and I can be happy. I don't want to over-dramatize it in the sense that I don't want you to think, well, that doesn't match up to my experience. What I want you to do is open your eyes. That's what Jesus is about, is about opening your eyes to the world around you. There's so much more than this. There's so much better It's not just about watch out or they'll get you and they'll lie to you and you'll be deceived. It's not about that. It's about there's so much more than this. God wants you to thrive in the purposes he's called you to. And so he might be directing you. He might be challenging you. He might be growing you. Let him do it. Participate and see the goodness of God. Amen? Amen. Family, friends, and invited, come forward. He doesn't want that right now, I don't think. No, no, not right now. Well, what a strapping looking little boy there. Robert Dwayne. Praise be to God. Okay, we have water? Okay. Do we by any chance have the booklets or is it up on the deal? Just so we know where we're at here? Yes. Okay. Okay. That's more like it. Like this is number 27 or something. Where's the patriarch in a family? (laughs) (laughs) All right, the the candidate will now be presented.
right here. I present parents and godparents together. I present Robert Dwayne House to receive the sacrament of baptism. Will you be responsible for seeing that the child you present is brought up in the Christian faith and life? I will, God's help. Will you, by your prayers and witness, help this child to grow into the full stature of Christ? I will, will, God's God's help. Do you renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God? I renounce them. Do you renounce the evil powers of this world which corrupt and destroy the creatures of God? I renounce them. Do you renounce all sinful desires that draw you from the love of God? I renounce them. Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your Savior? I do. And do you put your whole trust in his grace and love? I do. Do you promise to follow and obey him as your Lord? I do. Will you who witness these vows do all in your power to support these persons in their life in Christ? We will. Let us join with those that are committing themselves to Christ and renew our own baptismal vows. Do you believe in God the Father? I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe in God, the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Will you continue in the apostles' teaching and in fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers? I will, with God's help. Will you persevere in resisting evil, and whenever you fall into sin, repent and return to the Lord? I will, with God's help. Will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ? I will, with God's help. Will you seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself? I will, with God's help. Will you strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being? I will, with God's help. Let us pray for this person who's come to receive the sacrament of new birth. Deliver Robert, O Lord, from the way of sin and death. Lord, hear our prayer. Open his heart to your grace and truth. Lord, hear our prayer. Fill him with your holy and life-giving spirit. Lord, hear our prayer. Keep him in the faith and communion of your holy church. Lord, hear our prayer. Teach him to love others in the power of the spirit. Lord, hear our prayer. And send him into the world in witness to your love. Lord, hear our prayer. Bring him to the fullness of your peace and glory. Grant, O Lord, that all who were baptized into the death of Jesus Christ, your Son, may live in the power of his resurrection and look for him to come again in glory, who lives and reigns now and forever. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. We thank you, Almighty God, for the gift of water over the Holy Spirit moved in the beginning of creation. Through it, you led the children of Israel out of their bondage in Egypt into the land of promise. 
In it, your son Jesus received the baptism of John and was anointed by the Holy Spirit as the Messiah, the Christ, to lead us through his death and resurrection from the bondage of sin into everlasting life. We thank you, Father, for the water of baptism. Into it, we are buried with Christ in his death. By it, we share in his resurrection, and through it, we're reborn by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, in joyful obedience to your Son, we bring into his fellowship those who come to him in faith, baptizing him in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now sanctify this water, we pray you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that those who were here cleansed from sin and born again may continue forever in the risen life of Jesus Christ, our Savior. To him, to you, and to the Holy Spirit be all honor and glory, now and forever. Amen. Okay, we need someone to hold that baby. Robert Dwayne, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, isn't that fun? And the Holy Spirit, not so fun, okay. All right, oil. Robert Dwayne, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that by the water and the Holy Spirit you bestowed upon this your servant the forgiveness of sin, and raised him to a new life of grace. Sustain him, O oh Lord. Gosh, what beautiful blue eyes. I got blue eyes too, see. <laughs> Sustain him, O oh Lord, in your Holy Spirit, and give him an inquiring and discerning heart, the courage and will to persevere, a spirit to know and love you, and the gift of joy and wonder in all your works. Man, oh man. Yes, I uh, he has a tremendous uh, character about him. He's a real combination of both of you. And there's a, such a gentleness that's going to come out of him when he grows up and is an adult. Candle. We're not going to give it to you, though, buddy. You're too young. Okay, here, take that, Dad. This we can put on him. There's the little guy. All right, let's uh, let's say together. Let us welcome the newly baptized. We receive you into the household of God. Confess the faith of Christ crucified. Proclaim His resurrection and share with us in His eternal priesthood. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. With your spirit. Turn and greet your neighbor with the police. Peace of the Lord. Wonderful. The Lord be with you. (laughs) The Lord be with you. 
Okay, so I'm hoping we got we got that slide up here, Katie. Can you show that one? I got to see that one. I got I got a big announcement for you guys. And the announcement is where have I been? Uh, uh, Marie Madison clued me in here. The Star Parker, our uh, friend, part of St. Michael's, it's like our ambassador to Washington, D.C., has a TV program on our website. So this is great. Go to that, go to that website, and you can watch her television programs, and they're fantastic. Thank you, for Marie, for that. And High-class production. She has wonderful people on. It's an interview format. Yep. Uh, it's, it's like the Tonight Show with some of the smartest people in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my guess is she's probably going to get picked up by one of the uh, networks here with that show. It's really, really good. It's very, episode very 13, Bishop. How do, it's like episode 13. We've missed 12 episodes already. Yeah. I've seen a couple. <laughs> okay. I should have told you sooner. Yep. Thank you. Check it out. Great show. As we prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, let us respond to God's word by engaging with him in musical worship and presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Together, through Christ, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name, but do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God.
to remember the Mercer family in your prayers today. Sam is uh, down uh, attending a uh, funeral service for his nephew and uh, real tragedy. He's the only one that could make it, I guess. Is that right, Norma? And uh, so the sisters. So, uh, and also remember our dear friends, the Yokies. In fact, we're going to lift the Eucharist up for the Oki family. Blessed are you, Lord God, of all creation. Through your goodness, we have this bread and wine. Lord, we just pray that uh, it will take its special place in all of our hearts more and more as we indulge in it week to week. We welcome all baptized believers to receive the body and blood of Christ. 
This is the table of the Lord, and it's made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So come, you have much faith, and you who have little, and you've been here often, and you who've not been here. You who've tried to follow, and you who've failed, come, because it's the Lord who invites you. It's a special place. It's his will that those who want him should meet him right here, so come this morning. Come to the table. The Lord be with you. With With your your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, all-powerful and ever-living God, we do well always and ever to give you thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through his cross and resurrection, he freed us from sin and death, and he's called us to the glory that's made us a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart. Everywhere we proclaim your mighty works, for you've called us out of darkness into your own wonderful light. And so with all the choir of angels in heaven, we proclaim your glory, and we join in their unending hymn of praise. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Lord, you're holy indeed, the fountain of all holiness. Let your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts and make them holy so they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he has given up to death the death he freely accepted. He took bread, he gave thanks and broke it. He gave it to his disciples and he said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup. Again, he gave thanks and praise. He gave it to them, and he said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Let us proclaim this mystery of faith. Christ Christ has died. Christ Christ is risen. risen. And Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, the saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and to serve you. May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love together with our patriarch Craig and all of our clergy. We especially remember all those sick, infirmed in spirit, soul, or body. Olivia and Connie and Susan and Carl and Serena, Naomi, Rachel, Nadia, Kyle, Sonja and Sandra, Marie and Karen, David and Darcy and Tammy and Thomas, Kay, the Glavina family, Michael, Sherry, Kayla, the Barnes family, Dan, the Alcaraz family, Bishop Davidson, the Oki family, and our Marines and sailors at Camp Pendleton. You, you may add names of those people you're praying for. Pray for Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken, 
And as we receive the body and blood, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Have mercy on us all. Make us worthy to share eternal life with Mary and Joseph. All the apostles and the martyrs who have gone before us, may we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him and with him and in him in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God and Father, now and forever. Amen. Jesus taught us to call God our Father, and we have courage as we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ, our Passover, sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Hallelujah. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us thy peace. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them to remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on them in your heart with thanksgiving. Blessed are those who were called to the supper of the Lamb. The body of Christ, the blood of Christ.
covered a lot for me today, so I'll keep it short. I just felt like God wanted to invite you, and specifically, too, from the leadership of the church, I wanted to invite you, if there's something that you are confused about, that you're hurting and broken over, that you feel like you just don't know what God is saying to you, or how to respond, we're here for you. God is here for you, but we are here for you. He's given you the leadership of the church for your sake, to equip you, to help you. We don't do all this for our glorification. We don't talk for our benefit. We want to help you. And I just know that I kind of flippantly address some of the lies that can happen, but you can get so caught in that that you feel like you can't see a way out. I've been there. And the only reason I'm here today is because some people in my life said, I'm here for you. And they opened themselves and I shared where I was just lost and broken and hurting. And they helped walk me through and see the healing and the comfort and the grace of the Holy Spirit. God wants to set you free. And we're all here to help that happen. Amen? Amen. Amen. Please stand. Let us pray together. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in the battle and be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. Indeed, thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world seeking the ruin of our souls. <laughs> Remember the gospel, God was in Christ Jesus reconciling. Reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against him. And he loves us. He's forgiven us. He's not mad at us. Best of all, he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And the blessings of God Almighty, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen. into the world rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God.
This is my confidence. 